you know, Christmas decorations are going up. You know, Christmas music's being played on the air. You know, we've got parties to go to. It's almost like we celebrate Christmas before Advent. I think we've lost the spiritual significance of Advent as a time of preparation. I always say that Christmas is a sign to us that God hasn't given up on us. You know, you look at the values that are associated with Christmas, you look at little children and the excitement that they have about the season itself, even before they recognize any religious connotation about it. But I think we've also kind of gotten in, I think why Advent is important too, is because do we see the need of a savior today? Yeah, that's true. Um, by the Middle Ages, the Christians adapted this tradition, used Advent wreaths as part of their spiritual preparation for Christmas. After all, Christ is the light that came into the world to dispel the darkness of sin and radiate the truth and love of God. By 1600, both Catholics and Lutherans had more formal practices surrounding the Advent wreath. You know, it's the, it's the last line of the Bible. Um, in Revelation 22, just come Lord Jesus, come into our hearts, come into our world, come into our spirits, our souls, our parishes, our schools, our workplaces, come Lord Jesus. Here's your host. Good evening and welcome. I'm Tony Miller with KCDM, and I'll be your host for this week's episode of Pastor's Perspective. Let me be the first to wish you a happy new year. Thanks for joining us. The church is in the 34th week of ordinary time and the posse will be previewing the gospel of Matthew for the first Sunday of Advent. After we finish our discussion of Matthew's gospel for the first week of the new liturgical year, we will talk about Advent, Advent wreaths, candles, and what it all means as we prepare for the coming of the baby Jesus into our world. In the posse tonight, Father Marty, welcome. Thank you very much. Good evening, everyone. Father Mike, welcome. Hello, everybody. And Father James. Hello, everyone. We are all here. Father Dennis is in where? Mississippi. Mississippi to a wedding or something? For a family wedding. Family wedding. I think he said it's too cold up here. He's got to go south for the winter. (laughs) (laughs) He's like the geese. Knowing Father Dennis in his down coat, I believe that. All right, news and notes tonight. Father Marty, what you got for us? Well, we um, we're kick, we kicked off last week our Rejoice um, Advent series. And so it really starts this coming Monday out at Saints Mary and Patrick, um, 6.30 p.m. And we're going to do Father Mark Toops again and the Rejoice booklet um, on the scriptures of the day and, and the Sundays. So um, it should be very good. So I invite you to join us for that. December 8th is the... Uh, Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception of Mary. So the Holy Day schedule goes into place, 5.30 on Wednesday evening at St. John's, 7 a.m. And I believe the pastor has that Mass at 7 a.m. in the morning. I'm pretty sure you gave that one to me. I I changed the schedule and gave it to me. Oh. Hey, hey. (laughs) 9 o'clock at uh, Notre Dame, 12.10 at St. Paul's, and 6.30 in the evening out at St. Mary's in Dodgeville. 
And then we have set our Christmas schedule. So it'll be four o'clock at St. John's on Christmas Eve, 4.30 at Saints Mary and Patrick on Christmas Eve, five at St. Mary's in Dodgeville, Christmas Eve, and 9 p.m. at St. Paul's on Christmas Eve, and then Christmas Day at 9 a.m. at St. John's. So it's we're getting into the Christmas season, but before we get there, we've got to get through Advent and John the Baptist and a few prophets. Very good. Um, let's see, what about any special Advent services or anything like that? Well, the big one is, um, you know, it's the Rejoice Advent. And then Communal Penance is on the 17th of uh, um, December at 10 in the morning at St. John's Church. And I think at this time we have seven priests that will be here. And the, the, I know the penance, I'm given that day already. What's that? Because the lectionary, you know, switches where we kind of do the, the coming of Christ at the end of time. Well, on the 17th, it switches to the coming of Jesus at Bethlehem. And the gospel that day is the genealogy of Jesus Christ, <laughs> son of son of Abraham, son uh, of David, son of whoever. Isaac. You know, and then, you know, Abraham is the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Um So I'm going to have people for their penance read the genealogy. I think that would be a good penance. Will there be a sign like where you're going to be at so people know? (laughs) (laughs) I actually love reading the genealogy. I don't know why. Um, That makes one person around this table. (laughs) It's because you know how to pronounce the names. Well, I just fake it well. Um, (laughs) And and the other thing too is um, the late Raymond Brown, the great Christmas scholar, he wrote The Birth of the Messiah. Um, he says, in the hands of a gifted preacher, the genealogy can be very effective. And it's actually the first option for the Christmas Eve Mass is the genealogy. But I'm sure all the people coming want to hear Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, and whoever else for 42 of them, instead of the birth of Jesus and angels and shepherds. We'll be taking a poll later on. <laughs> Send your vote to Father Marty at the <laughs> at St. John's Rectory. All right, very good. Um, let's see, Father Mike, are you going to get us started with an opening prayer? If you want me to. You know, I was thinking about that when you asked me to do it, and so I thought, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Marty, uh, Father Marty, excuse me, uh, sang on the radio here, and it, it, it had such a wonderful reception among the people, and I was a bit jealous, so I thought uh, that I would begin our prayer tonight with a little song, and some of you might recognize it. Prepare ye the way of the Lord, prepare ye the way of the Lord. So here we have, uh, I think that's from uh, Gospel, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And uh, here we have uh, this, our secular tradition celebrating the coming of Christ, asking us to prepare. And that's what Jesus asked us to do too. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, give us the grace as we enter into this new, new liturgical year and prepare the way of the Lord to be worthy. Give us the grace to constantly want to do your will and to do it with effectiveness and with fidelity. We ask all of this through the powerful intercession of our Blessed Mother. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father Mike. 
All right, tonight the posse will discuss Matthew's Gospel for the first Sunday of Advent, and that's chapter 24, verses 37 through 44. And in this reading, as Jesus warns us to be on guard and to stay awake, as we never know the hour or day when the thief may visit our house. And it's it's interesting to note that last week we talked about the church calendar and the calendar changing from Luke and... Uh, now we're switching over to Matthew. So, Father James, you have our uh, reading tonight. This is so strange because usually Father Dennis always does it. Oh my gosh! Oh, no. That's wonderful. <laughs> I hope you do as well. <laughs> so, so do I. The pressure's on. The heat is on. Jesus said to his disciples, as it was in the days of Noah, So will be at the coming of the Son of Man. In those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day that Noah entered the ark. They did not know until the flood came and carried them all away. So will it be also at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be out in the field. One will be taken, and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, and one will be left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on which day your Lord will come. Be sure of this, if the master of the house had known the hour of night when the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and not let his house be broken into. So too you also must be prepared, for at an hour you do not expect, the Son of Man will come. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Thank you, Father James. Uh, Jesus starts out referencing Noah and how the people were behaving in Noah's day. Is that a reference to Christ's birth or a reference to his second coming or a reference to our final judgment? Uh, How does this relate to Advent and Christmas? We have to remember that Advent has a, a twofold purpose. Okay. And Advent, you know, a lot of times we think it's to prepare us to celebrate the birth of Jesus at Bethlehem, but it's also to prepare us um, for Jesus's return at the end of time. And so when Jesus uses the image of Noah entering the ark, you know, people were just kind of going about their everyday business like, eh, nothing big's going to happen, you know. And they just, you know, they were doing, you know, marrying and giving in marriage, eating, drinking and everything. And then the flood hit and they weren't prepared. Well, you know, and Jesus is warning us not to have the same thing with us to to be prepared. Because at an hour we do not expect he's going to come. So he's, he's almost prompting us to pay attention to the prophets and pay attention to what's being laid out in front of us. I would agree with that, yes. Okay. When people talk about the rapture, is this one of the readings that they refer to? The, you know, where he talks about one will be taken and one will be left. Is this any, is there any relationship to the rapture in this? I, I think probably it is. You know, Catholics don't accept the rapture the way Protestants do. Uh, we believe that, it, that we'll see Christ at the end of our own life when there's an individual judgment, and then there's a general judgment at the end when the, the sheep and the goats will be separated from one another, one on the right and one on the left. 
But this idea of a rapture coming in the middle of our ordinary life and some being gone, um, it's not something that has taken hold in Catholic theology at all. So, so you, don't, you don't think Father Dennis has been taken up from us? <laughs> I think just taken away for a brief time. So. so it might be referencing more our own personal death. I think so, yeah. Than a rapture type yeah. scenario. Right, I think so. Okay. Certainly, at the end, at the end of the world, you know, we we put a lot of emphasis on the end of the world. That's that would be rapture-like, if you will, but not in the sense that the movies are making it out to be. This is one of the toughest Sundays I think there is to preach. I don't know if Father James or Father Mike agree with me there, but for me, I find this very difficult. I feel like a salmon um, swimming upstream. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, how so? Well, it's kind of something, you know, like we talked about last week, you know, that, you know, Christmas decorations are going up. You know, Christmas music's being played on the air. You know, we've got parties to go to. It's almost like we celebrate Christmas before Advent. And so, you know, I come in, you know, on, on Sunday and say, not so fast. We're not there yet. But yet, a majority, if not most of our people are there already at Christmas. So how do we challenge them to not only, and and I wrote about this in my bulletin letter um, that's going in the bulletin for the first Sunday of Advent, you know, enjoy the stuff that leads up to it, Mm -hmm. but don't forget the importance of this season. Yeah. Don't be in such a hurry. Mm -hmm. I think that whole attitude, we've kind of, I think we're really going to be honest with each other. I think we've lost the spiritual significance of Advent as a time of preparation. And like in so many things in our culture, we jump into the actual feast long before we should, should because then we, we don't prepare for it. And if we don't prepare for it adequately, we find out that we're disappointed in it at the very least. And the same thing is true after Christmas. That's the time when we should be celebrating and having big parties and you know, gathering, giving of gifts and all the rest of that. There's a 50-day period in there where we should really celebrate the birth of the Messiah. But we wasted it all by jumping into it too quickly without adequate preparation. And so I think for many people, it's a letdown when it finally comes. Mm, okay. I think the hard. I think the harder Sunday than this one is the Trinity. I think that's got to be the hardest. Yeah, try to explain the Trinity without going to the heresies. Mm-hmm. Or like this one, like you're able to go kind of more on like we all know we're all going to die. Like, are we truly prepared, like to meet Christ face to face? Like, so many of us already in the society are looking forward to Christmas and what gifts are under the tree, or or maybe we're getting excited to grab an ornament off the giving tree or whatever it might be. The ultimate reality is each and every one of us will die and come face to face with Christ. Like, are we prepared for that moment? Because as he says in the gospel for today, we don't know the time or the hour. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, too, and, and I know we don't talk about the second reading a whole lot, but I think Paul here with Romans is just is, is wonderful because he tells us, you know, the time. It is the hour now for you to wake from sleep. The night is advanced, the day is at hand. Let us then throw off the works of darkness and put on the armor 
of light. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, put on that armor of light that we need to protect ourselves, you know, especially in this time, you know, against the darkness of the world. Um, we need to put on that armor of light, that light of Christ. And that light, as we go through the Advent process and light more candles, gets brighter and brighter and brighter until Jesus is born. Right. And I think that too, you know, and, and I, and, and they told, they taught me this in seminary and I'm still trying to wrap my head around it because they told us that um, Christmas is where it's at because of the winter solstice. Because, you know, starting back at the summer solstice, the day started to get shorter. Mm -hmm. So that's John the Baptist, one of our key figures of Advent, saying, I must decrease. Well, then we celebrate Christmas, the birth of Christ, around the winter solstice when the days get longer. He must increase. Now, here's my thought, is because in the Southern Hemisphere, isn't it just the opposite? Mm -hmm. So how does that make any sense? <laughs> Don't go to Latin America. <laughs> okay. What do they think in Tanzania? <laughs> Dennis, would that be would that be backwards in Tanzania too? Aren't they below the? No, yeah. they're right. They're right on the equator, aren't they? Right. Yeah. I don't know my world map apparently as well as I yeah, thought. Tanzania would be pretty close to the equator. I think so. The theme of um, not knowing the hour or the day is is a repeating theme in the Gospels. Mm -hmm. um, you have several Gospels where that's a, a stressed point. Uh, the maidens and their oil lanterns and, and that, uh, the thief coming into the house. Uh, so um, there are also several references to staying awake in this Gospel. And the devil is out there trying to steal our souls are we alert to the thief who is trying to lull us to sleep? Is that part of the Advent season, is trying to keep us awake? Well, I think, you know, part of winter is being sleepy. You know, I mean, we get tired. Uh, it's dark. Uh, we find it easier to sleep, to not be alert. And the Lord is trying to tell us that we must be alert spiritually at all times. And so that's, that's a very important concept that we should know. Uh, I think one of the ways that we could recognize that we're not being very much alert is when we try to rationalize the evil that's in the world and say that it's really not all that bad when it really is unbelievably bad. When you compare the kinds of stuff that our civil society today, and I'm not just talking about abortion, but abortion is certainly a, a key element here, but the kind of things that our society today is willing to accept as normal, uh, which no other society in the history of the world would accept as normal. Certainly there's an element of evil in all of this, you know. So we've got to be aware of that. And we shouldn't be afraid to confront it, you know. Otherwise we're all asleep. Well, and couldn't, if you were, if, if we're just going through the motions and just checking off the boxes, couldn't that be a... a a kind of sleep? Sure. Too? Oh, without a doubt. Like, I think it's so often the world, we allow the current of society to, you know, flush us wherever it's going to take us instead of being that, you know, salmon, being that fish that swims against the stream. For so often, for many of us, you know, 
we might get really excited after we go to a retreat or something, you know, we get fired up and you know, we start swimming upstream and then we eventually lose that fire in our belly. We just, you know, decide, well, I'll just kind of go with culture. And as we know, you know, there's evil in the world and how culture, you know, kind of turns their back towards God and they begin to lose that focus. And they just kind of keep going down the river farther and farther away from God. And we know that God's not going to, you know, put the big dam up there and say like, hang on a minute, you got to come back here. He's a loving God that's going to let us do what we want. But ultimately at the end, we're going to be held responsible for our actions. And going a little personal here too, Advent has taken on a new meaning for me. You know, from 15, 16 months ago when I got my diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I read an article, there's a, there's a priest that is posting on uh, Twitter, or, or we hope he's still doing it. No, we don't know where Twitter's at right now. Um, but, you know, he's kind of doing his his journal publicly. He's an Augustinian priest. Mm-hmm. And and it, it's interesting, you know, because today, on the day we're taping this, he said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm coming to the end of the line. I'm about ready to finish my race. I hope that I finish strong. And I thought mm. that was just really really good because I because uh, I tweeted back at him that you know we're lifting him up in prayer and, and that so um, but that's take Advent you know to be prepared you know not to be so focused on um, death but those times that Jesus is going to break into our lives you know he is the God of surprises and you know there's so many times that we just miss him mm-hmm. you know and I've always I've always kind of felt that one of the things that we're trying to do in Advent is to not take, not take it for granted, not take Christmas and the birth of Jesus for granted. And, and to, like you say, to prepare ourselves and to get ready to take it serious and, and realize the gift that we've been given. Mm Mm-hmm. One of the things we'll hear a lot during, you know, the days leading up to Christmas is that Jesus is the reason for the season. Mm-hmm. And and I saw something um, the other day that I thought was, was good. It, it's a play on it. It says, you are the reason for the season. Jesus is the gift. Mm, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Because, you know, and I, I know this would, this could open up a Pandora's box for us too, but... Um, it's the question Anselm asked, you know, if Adam and Eve had not messed up in the garden, would Jesus still have come? Interesting question. What do you think? I think he would have, but, and so does Anselm, but I just think it's that great love for us that Jesus would want to come and, and be with us. That's my opinion. You know, I know that, but the question is, cause I still think in time we would still need a savior. I was going to say that man would mess it up at some point somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> or woman, too. Or I woman. mean, I'm, I'm courageous enough to say that over the air. <laughs> That's <laughs> Father Mike Phillips. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, like, if you're in the garden, like, you know, and there hadn't been sin up to that point. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you'd be in that perfect union. Right. With God, so you wouldn't necessarily need Jesus to come. But I think, you know, what Marty, Father Marty is saying is uh, Jesus really wanted to be united with us ultimately in every possible way. Yeah. And so in, in coming, 
even if he didn't have to come. And again, this is all this is all conjecture. But even if he didn't have to come, he would want he would want that marriage between mankind and God. You know, I always say that Christmas is a sign to us that God hasn't given up on us. You know, you look at the values that are associated with Christmas. You look at little children and the excitement that they have about the season itself, even before they recognize any religious uh, connotation about it. Uh, you look at the gentleness in most people's lives at Christmas time, their willingness to give, that is extraordinary, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, all these things show the, the, the better side of human nature, you know. As Lincoln said, the, angel, the better angels of our nature. And uh, that shows us something of the nature of God as well. But I think we've also kind of gotten in, I think why Advent is important too, is because do we see the need of a Savior today? Yeah, that's true. Oh, no. You know what I mean? Like in yeah. today's society. I know. You know, we got the Nike logo, just do it. Burger King, have it your way. way. <laughs> you have all like... We'll do whatever you want. Come shop at our store. And one person starts a trend and everybody follows it. Yep. Without mm-hmm. questioning it, without sure. um, reasoning it through or thinking it through. So the, the end of, the, uh, of today's gospel, could the closing of the reading also be a reference to God speaking to us in prayer or the Holy Spirit coming to assist us when we are in need? And not just coming to us at the end of our lives. I think this is my thought. It was like Jesus taught us, like, we need to have courage. Like, because we're going to face the evil in the world. We're going to face these challenges. But do we hold, do we hold fast that faith? Do we hold fast, you know, having that courage to follow Christ, you know, in the storms of our lives? You know, when things are going every which way, you know, who do we turn to? It's easier, I feel like, when things are going bad to turn turn to God. But it's in those times where things are going well, we kind of oftentimes forget about God. It's like, yeah, look at what I've done. Look at how successful I've become. And we lose focus, you know, and God, we get sucked up into potentially, you know, the evil in the world, you know, the corruption, the greed, having false idols, chasing that mighty dollar instead of truly following Christ. And it's interesting because in the verses before our gospel for this Sunday, he's, uh, Jesus warns us, um, if anyone says to you, then look, here is the Messiah. Or, there he is. Do not believe it. False messiahs, false prophets will arise and they will perform signs and wonders so great as to deceive, if that were possible, even the elect. But I've told you beforehand, you know, stay strong. And that's the key. Stay strong in your faith, especially in the Advent season. And grow in your faith in the Advent season. Amen. All right. Well, that wraps up our discussion of Sunday's gospel. If you're just joining us, we're talking with Father Marty, Father Mike, and Father James and getting their perspective on this week's Advent gospel. Thanks for tuning in. We're happy you found us and stayed to listen whether on the radio, the live stream, the website, or the podcast. Now we're going to move on and talk a little bit about Advent. And I'm going to start off with a quote. Pope Francis says, Advent is a journey towards Bethlehem. May we let ourselves be drawn by the light of God made man. 
let's dive into what Advent really is. For what does Advent mean, or where does the the word or the name Advent come from? Well, it's uh, from the Latin Adventus, A D V E N T U S, and it means coming. And uh, so it's uh, it's quite easy there. Uh, it, it shows some type of coming and refers to the coming of of Christ uh, at Christmas. So has Advent always existed? I mean, does it go back to the first century? Is there any kind of record of that, or or was it brought into existence over time? It was brought in over time. I have found the answer for this. Good. So um, just let me read this here, okay? One of the oldest records of Advent is found in St. Gregory of Tours' History of the Franks. Gregory reports that St. Perpetuus, around the year 480, decreed a preparation for Christmas extending from the feast of St. Martin of Tours until Christmas. (laughs) This period of 43 days came to be called St. Martin's Lent in imitation of the Lenten preparation for Easter. Later, a local church council in Tours, France, in 567, instituted an advent of 24 days from December 1 to December 24th. It wasn't until the 9th century that Pope St. Nicholas I, now how apropos is that, apparently established the time frame that we still use for Advent. Four Sundays, with the first being the Sunday closest to St. Andrew's Day on November 30th, and a length of 22 to 28 days. You know, that's one of the reasons why I love the Catholic Church so much, is we have this rich history. These feast days, Father Marty uh, just talked about, are still in existence today. We celebrate that. We just celebrated the Feast of St. Martin of Tours, which is Father Father Martin's feast day. And uh, we we celebrate St. Nicholas Day. It's a different Nicholas than Pope St. Nicholas, but it's still Nicholas. And we have this rich, rich uh, tapestry of saints in in and out of season that help us to understand this, this beautiful liturgical cycle that we go through every year. Very good. That was way more than I thought I'd get on that one. I guess. <laughs> he said, me too. Oh. I clearly missed that part. We're, we're, we're taping a show here. Tony, I can't even believe you as the host would do that. The missile wow. came from a different direction. I'm prepared for it to come from Phillips' area. <laughs> Father Dennis is gone. What can That's I say? Right. He doesn't say much. He doesn't really shoot. He, he doesn't really lob bombs, does he? No, he's remember he's neutral. Remember his Tanzania. Well, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get back to the show. Um, while I was researching Advent, I was trying to come up with kind of a different slant on Advent or come up with a different uh, approach. I, I came upon a, a website that had the uh, candles in the Advent wreath that actually have been assigned themes, names, and colors, giving each candle and each week of Advent special meaning. I wanted to explore those candles in a little more detail to add a richer and more detailed narrative to the Advent season. The four candles of Advent represent the four Sundays of Advent, and they respectively symbolize hope, peace, joy, and love. In some homes and parishes, people will also light a fifth candle on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day 
to represent the birth of Jesus. This candle, when added to the Advent wreath, is typically white and larger than the other candles and is placed in the center of the wreath. So I thought it was interesting. The first week of Advent, the candle is, or the theme of the, the first week of Advent is hope. And the candle's name is the prophecy candle. And we light the first candle on November 27th. And the, the summary of the, the first Sunday of Advent not only leads us to anticipate the birth of Christ, but celebrate the beginning of a new liturgical season. The first candle is purple, the primary color of Advent, and a color symbolizing royalty. Sometimes called the prophecy candle, the first candle harkens us back to Isaiah's foretelling of the birth of Christ and all of the promises God gave us in the Old Testament that would be fulfilled by the birth of Christ. And I had, I had never heard of this before, um, that the, the, there was actually faith, joy, hope, and everything assigned to the candles of the Advent wreath. So let's, let's talk about the Advent wreath for a little bit. What, what is the history of the Advent wreath? Um, what I was able to find was that the Advent wreath traced back to um, um, middle, middle Ages Germany, uh, when the Germans lit candles in the wintertime in anticipation of the, the spring, the lighter months. Um, it evolved into the Advent wreath in the Middle Ages and was actually spread by the church starting in 1600 during the 17th centuries. Um, does anybody know the meaning of the Advent wreath, what the Advent wreath means? Well, let me give you a little history here. Okay. Um, I, I like being the historian. Um, so the actual origins are uncertain of the Advent wreath. Okay. So there's evidence of pre-Christian Germanic peoples using wreaths with lit candles during the cold and dark December days as a sign of hope in the future warm and extended sunlight days of spring. In Scandinavia, during winter, lighted candles were placed around a wheel and prayers were offered to the God of light, God in small g, to turn the wheel of the earth back toward the sun to lengthen the days and restore warmth. Um, by the Middle Ages, the Christians adapted this tradition, used Advent wreaths as part of their spiritual preparation for Christmas. After all, Christ is the light that came into the world to dispel the darkness of sin and radiate the truth and love of God. By 1600, both Catholics and Lutherans had more formal practices surrounding um, the Advent wreath. That's a little history. Interesting. Yeah. And then, of course, it says here, which, which I found interesting on this, um, the wreath is made of various evergreens signifying continuous life. Um, even these evergreens have a traditional meaning. The laurel signifies victory over persecution and suffering. Pine, holly, and yew, immortality, and cedar, strength and healing. Holly also has a special Christian symbolism. The prickly leaves remind us of the crown of thorns. And one English legend tells of how the cross was made of holly. That's hmm. the first time I've ever heard that one. Ooh, interesting. Hmm. The circle of the wreath, which has no beginning or end, symbolizes the eternity of God, the immortality of the soul, and everlasting life found in Christ. Altogether, the wreath of evergreens depicts the immortality of our soul and the new everlasting life promised to us through Christ, who entered our world becoming true man, 
and was victorious over sin and death through his own passion, death, and resurrection. Huh. Interesting. There's yeah. a lot in that. I was, uh, I was uh, I learned a lot tonight, myself even. That's why Father Marty's the historian. Yes, I know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And he does well. Regardless of the three computers that he has in front of him. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Come on now, Father. <laughs> so the, the second candle in the Advent wreath uh, is frequently called the peace candle or the Bethlehem candle, reflecting on the peace promised by Christ's birth at the faithfulness of those who played a part in the Christmas story. From Joseph and Mary to Zechariah and Elizabeth to John the Baptist preparing the way for the Lord. In lighting this angel's candle, we celebrate the restoration of creation and wonder of God's shalom lived out here on earth. The third candle is referred to as the joy candle or the shepherd's candle. In those traditions that have three purple candles and one pink, or rose, as we prefer here. Oh, hang on, time out here. The germ, in the general instruction of the Roman Missal, it clearly states on the third Sunday, in this mass, the color violet or rose. I don't see pink at all on there, Tony. Okay. Come on now. <laughs> I'm, good. I'm good with rose. That works for me. This third candle is designated as the rose candle. The third week of Advent celebrates the joy of Christmas Day and, not surprisingly, often focuses on the declaration of Jesus' birth by the angels to the shepherds. Their words of rejoicing called us to give glory to God in the highest, stir up our souls to give thanks for the miracle of Christmas. Likewise, the immediate reaction and response to the shepherds highlight the Christmas story as something active and dynamic the miracle of Jesus moving among us. And he's even looking like the entrance antiphon for that third Sunday of Advent. You know, even focuses on that. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Indeed, the Lord is near. Even the entrance antiphon oh, yeah. even talks about you know, being able to rejoice. Piece, you know. Do you know why it's rose, though? Why it, why it isn't something other than rose? Um, from what I understand, rose is the liturgical color of joy. Well, yeah, it is because okay. we, we get it again in Lent. Uh, but it, uh, in Lent and in Advent, it is an indication that the season itself, which is either penitential or at least it's preparational, the season itself is halfway over. And so we should take a little break out. Uh, a break from what we're normally doing during that season and kind of reward ourselves a little bit if we've been faithful to it. But it's rose because if you mix the color of the season, which is purple, and the white, which is Easter or Christmas, together, you're supposed to come out with rose. You know, supposed to, not always. If you've, you've ever done your laundry in the laundromat and you've mixed all those colors, you, you get maybe something different, but you're supposed to. Have you had that experience, Father Phillips? I have had that experience. <laughs> Haven't we all? Anyone who went to college has had that experience. And then the fourth candle uh, for the fourth Sunday of Advent is the love candle. 
Love is at the very core of the Christmas story. Mary's love for her son, Zachariah and Elizabeth's love for each other and for John, the love and respect of the Magi and shepherds for Jesus, and God's love for all the world. Also known as the angel's candle, the fourth advent candle picks up where the shepherd's candle often leaves off with the angel's declaration of the good news of love. So I thought that was, I thought that was kind of interesting. I'd never heard that take on the advent wreath before and on, on advent. So I think we should preach that or at least talk about it in some, because uh, most people don't know that, you know, if, if, if the three of us priests uh, are surprised at what we're learning tonight, imagine what the ordinary layperson in the pew is, is uh, probably spent their whole life going through these ceremonies without knowing what their their significance is. I gave a uh, homily a few many 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 Christmases ago, where it was based on the four candles. Okay. And um, so you go hope. Um, help me out again. Hope, joy, um, peace. So hope, peace, joy, and what you do is, um, you know, that we've lost hope in the world, you know, so you extinguish the the hope candle, the, the peace, you know, we're at war, you know, and joy, you know, take, put it out. Yeah. But then there's the, the love candle that will overcome all. Wonderful. And that's what, you know, God did on that Christmas night, you know, love was born. I don't think Deacon Frank would like that. I don't think so. He doesn't need to know. <laughs> if you're listening, Deacon Frank, cover your ears. <laughs> so let's talk about blessing our Advent wreaths. Is that something that the normal family can do in their homes? You betcha. You betcha. Do so we? The, so the, Conf- the United States Conference Catholic Bishops, if you go to their website, they actually have on their website the blessing of an Advent wreath. So they actually give you a Kind of a little prayer service in order to do it at home for you. Sure. So there's, you know, an opening and then there's a scripture passage. So you might read from Isaiah chapter 9, maybe Isaiah chapter 63, or maybe Isaiah 64. And then with hands joined, the leader, so more likely either the, the father of the household or the mother will then say a prayer and then you finish it. May conclude with a verse from O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Now, Tony, do you know when do we bless the Advent wreath in the church? Do you know when we do it? Uh, that would be the first Sunday of Advent. That will happen uh, this Sunday, won't it? It will, but at the beginning of Mass, will the candle be lit already or not? No, it won't be lit. When does it get lit? Uh, that will be done after we do the introductory prayers before the Eucharist, maybe? Is that? So the introductory prayers would be before the Liturgy of the Word. Right. So, when, so you think it's before the Liturgy of the Word or after the Liturgy of the Word? What do you think? I think it's after the Liturgy, isn't it? it it's in between the Liturgy and the Eucharist. Isn't that when you bless it? Correct me if I'm wrong. Shouldn't we be right at the end of the prayers of the faithful? Yep, it concludes the prayers of the faithful. And that's when we'll light the first candle. Which, what color candle will we light, though, Tony? Purple. There we go. <laughs> that's why you're the best in Burlington. <laughs> rose, rose, <laughs> rose candle doesn't come till the third Sunday, Gaudete Sunday. Yes. Now, do you start with a certain candle, or like how does the four sit on the Advent wreath? Is there a certain way you got to light them? 
Well, you have to light the two purple first. And but then, can you can you go like can you go zigzag, or or could you do it where you know you got your rose down here at like the the four o'clock, you know, on a clock face? Can you start up here on like the ten o'clock, and then you know, do you have to go clockwise, or do you got to go counterclockwise, or is there a certain way around the the wreath you go? Um, I was always told when I was little that you burned the can. You could eat. We burned a purple candle and alternated it so that they burned evenly <laughs> to maximize. <laughs> come, on, come on, Tony. Very good, though, Tony. Well, you when you're that. when you're when you're poor, you 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 make <laughs> you, you make, make do, accommodations. Hey, that's the truth. I don't know if there's is, actually is like there? I don't know if there's a correct. I don't think there is. I think I would I would go with clockwise. That's what I would think. Yeah, but I don't know if there's any rule or regulation or anything. Like and that. I don't know if there's a certain there's, spot like the, the rose candle has to sit at or the pink candle. Mm-mm. Well, if you're in a circle, it really doesn't make much difference, no. you know, because you're going to have two. Because I've seen it more like when you're sitting in the pew, you really can only see the front two. Yeah. Because the other two are right behind. But then I've also seen the advent candles where it's more kind of shifted where it be at like at 12, 6, 3, and 9 on a mm-hmm. clock face. Yeah. It'd be an interesting study for somebody who wants to write, write a paper about it or something. I don't know. Well, you're, the, you're the guy. You're the education well, expert. Yeah, but he Father Marty is the uh, historian. So Ooh, I think that's true. definitely his. I wonder if he'll have an answer by the next show. We might. You never know. You never know. I found it interesting too because you mentioned you know singing O Come O Come Emmanuel. Yeah. You know the O antiphons. Which, December seventeenth. Yes. Through the 23rd. And it's interesting the way that they are, um, they do not follow the verses of the hymn. Hmm. And so, um, just a little background. We use the O antiphons for the antiphon of evening prayer um, on those dates, the 17th through the 23rd. And so they go, O wisdom, O Lord, O root of Jesse, O king of David, O rising sun, king of the nations, Emmanuel, God with us. And if you take the, um, if you take the first the first letter of each title, Emmanuel Rex, Orange, you know, the way the song is, it spells Arrow Cross. Is that right? I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> I guess Latin, so. For, to me, folks. Latin for tomorrow, I will come. Wonderful. So that's the way the seven are in. So it's Emmanuel, you know, um, in that. So it's, it's kind of, it's interesting, okay. I think. Huh. Tomorrow I will come. The more you get into all this stuff, the more surprises are there for us. You know, it's, it's, it just shows you, again, the beauty and wisdom of, of the church's liturgy. It's all there. The Catholic Church is so deep and so rich. It, it really is amazing. And this is a little bit of a Marty tangent, but one of the things that I encourage, especially during Advent, is the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, for a funeral. Okay, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to give it to you here. You know, just a couple verses here. Um, o come, thou rod of Jesse, free thine own from Satan's tyranny, from depths of hell, thy people save and give them victory or the grave. And then, O come, thou dayspring from on high, and cheer us by thy drawing nigh. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night, and death's dark shadows put to flight. It's very appropriate. I like it. I do too. One of my classmates and I in the seminary, he was very passionate about his lack of excitement for O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. <laughs> it was, let's just say it was overly played to the extent that they even put mass parts 
to the Okomo Come Emmanuel. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for us at the seminary, Okomo Come Emmanuel is a beautiful song, but sometimes it got overplayed. Yeah. And you start to go like, oh, here it is again. Some things can be overdone. True. So we, we talked before we went on the air and started recording that I asked if there are specific Advent prayers that people can pray. And Father Marty, you came up, you said, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel is a good starting and, place. Or the other one, too, is just a simple prayer. It's just, come, Lord Jesus. You know, it's the, it's the last line of the Bible um, in Revelation 22. Mm-hmm. Just, come, Lord Jesus. Come into our hearts, come into our world, come into our spirits, our souls, our parishes, our schools, our workplaces. Come, Lord Jesus. Is the rosary a good fit during the Advent season? Are there any mysteries of the rosary that are more appropriate in Advent? Than- sure. The, uh, the whole uh, joyful mysteries, the account of uh, Christ coming into the world through Mary, is very appropriate for the Advent season. Can never go wrong with the rosary. <laughs> but I also say, like, you know, something I encourage people, you know, in the season of Advent, maybe, you know, for them, maybe, you know, their schedule doesn't work for them to go to daily mass, but just an opportunity for them to, you know, pick up one of the Word Among Us or go to the USCCB website and just to read the daily readings and, you know, be able to do a little bit of Lexio and just kind of sit with the scripture readings as they, you know, begin to orient us and prepare us for Christ. And the other resource we have this time of year, too, because you asked at the beginning, Tony, you know, some resources. We do hand out the Little Blue Book, you know, um, which is a reflection every day. It, it, you know, if you pray it through, it's supposed to be like six minutes a day. Yeah, you know, and um, it takes us all the way through the baptism of the Lord. It's the Little Blue Book. You can pick them up at the... uh, at each of the churches starting next weekend. Okay, you'll have them in the back of the churches after Masses, people, or before Masses. before Masses, they can come pick it up. Another resource, which might seem a little juvenile, but I like it because I'm young at heart, um, uh, is this Advent calendar that they have. You can get them almost any place, even in secular establishments today, where they open up for each day before Christmas, beginning with uh, Thanksgiving, uh, they have a little window that you open up and it has a scripture verse or it has a little uh, thing that you can do, some kind of nice ethical way to help your neighbor out. And in teaching the children all about this, it gets them ready for Christmas, but in a spiritual way. So it's beautiful, it really is. My brothers like those Advent calendars. They like Not them? necessarily for the scripture pieces, yeah. it's more for the beer that's inside of them. <laughs> <laughs> There's a new one out this year too. Um, there's one where it's uh, Hans Gruber falling <laughs> off the tower of the Die Hard movie for 25 stories. And on um, Christmas, he's all the way down on the ground. <laughs> you might want to edit that one out there, Tony. No, I, I, I was just going to ask the question. that uh, Last week, we talked about uh, It's a Wonderful Life came up as being our favorite Christmas movie. Well, three of us around the table. Well, yeah. If... Uh, <laughs> If if Advent was a movie, what movie would you pick to represent it? I'm going to go with, uh, it's kind of a non-conventional Advent movie, but I think Christmas Vacation, you might think it's a little crazy, <laughs> but here it is, you know, Chevy Chase trying to get things ready for the, you know, Christmas, you know, 
you see all these challenges, you know? He can't get the darn lights to work. You know, they go out to the garage, flip the switch for the garage, the lights come on, he's all excited. <laughs> you know, all these challenges. And, like, I think it's an opportunity for us to see, like, there's going to be challenges in our lives. You know, how do we face that adversity? Do we just kind of turn and, you know, and go off the, you know, get crazy like, you know, Chevy Chase does, you know, because he doesn't get his Christmas bonus checked. You know, <laughs> what do we do with these challenges, you know, that face us? And, you know, you see, you know, the wife's trying to, you know, kind of comfort, bring everybody together. Like, who are we in that movie? Are we the... Are we the crazy uncle that shows up with the army? <laughs> <laughs> Who are we in that movie? Do, do we get lost in all of the hype and commercialism and everything of Christmas? Mm-hmm. That's a good one. I would never have thought of that for, for an Advent movie, but I like that. It was a movie we watched every Thanksgiving celebration we did on the cam at the seminary. Mm-hmm. We'd have a we'd deep, deep fry a turkey and then we'd watch Christmas Vacation. It was a cultural experience for some of our international brothers. <laughs> Ooh, you just gave me an idea. There we go. All right. Father Dennis will be watching Christmas. Well, I think he's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, what movies would you guys suggest? Oh, gosh. I, uh, I like the one that I mentioned before we started recording, Come to the Stable with Loretta Young. I like another one, uh, can't remember what it is now, but uh, uh, there, there are a number of very good films that are out that are really secular oriented, and yet they have a spiritual meaning, you know, which is very important. I don't really have an Advent one. I mean, because I go, always go back. I mean, my mind always goes to It's a Wonderful Life. So for me, that's that's it. That's an Advent Christmas, you know, that's mine. You watch it several times. So. Oh, of course. And... Sure. It, you, you, when it comes on in color, I get a little disappointed. I love the black and white version. Oh, yeah. You gotta watch it. Oh, you yeah. don't have to watch it. You gotta watch or it. you, and I'm not going to use the word should watch it in black and white because yeah. that's not good. I learned at the clergy day. Yeah. We should not be using the word should. Oh, okay. But well, I thought your favorite Christmas movie was going to be the uh, one where the kid just wants a little, you know, BB gun. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas story. The Christmas story. They're remaking that. It's coming out again. TBS is on like twenty four seven. It's like oh, God. and then it's an hour off on TNT. So the run you can walk. You know you can just whoa. The, the problem for me is I feel like I always watch the same fifteen minutes. <laughs> I never know what happens. <laughs> when going back to Christmas vacation, the Clark put my arms down. <laughs> Clark got enrolled in the Jelly of the Month, didn't he? Is that what yeah, it was? Like <laughs> Jelly of yeah, the Month. <laughs> Sound like gym membership thing. <laughs> then the police come crashing through the window. <laughs> I think my uh, I think my choice for that movie would be, and this is going to sound kind of pedantic, but uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. Sure. Is that even Why on not? CBS anymore? Or I I think PBS owns it now. Do they? But they let them show it on CBS or the right. other channels. Um, but the. The, the highlight of that for me is, number one, Charlie Brown is searching for the meaning of Christmas. Right. And then Linus gives the speech from Luke 8 through 14. Yeah, 2, 8 through 14. Luke 2, 8 through 14, um, where he's, he gets up and has his lights, and then he gives the whole, uh, he, he reads the whole verse. And that really does sum up Christmas yes, um, for me. So that would be my mm-hmm. movie. 
Another one that we're forgetting, and it just came to mind, is A Christmas Carol, Charles Dickens, you know, Scrooge. Uh, that really is the message of Christmas. And uh, there's so many things that are relevant today in that as well. Very good. We are, uh, we're running out of time, as uh, Jack Bauer would say. So uh, that does it for our Advent show. Hopefully you found it to be a new twist on the start of your Advent season. Uh, Father Marty, do you have a, a closing prayer for us? I do, I hope. All righty. Here we come in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God, our Father, as we get ready to prepare the way of the Lord, we just ask that we may take the time to truly um, slow down, to receive the gift um, that you wish to give us and grant your faithful, we pray, the resolve to run forth to meet your Christ with righteous deeds that is coming so that gathered at his right hand, we may be worthy to possess the heavenly kingdom through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father Marty. Very welcome. Pastor's perspective for next week will continue in Matthew's gospel and delve into the second week of Advent. Until next week, gather the family around the Advent wreath and start a blessed tradition in your family that your children can pass along to your grandchildren one day. God sends his only son as a meek and humble baby to make our salvation possible. If you're not actively practicing your faith, we invite you to join us for Mass. Don't get lost in the commercialism this year. Get a head start on keeping Christ in Christmas with a newfound Advent season. Uh, I'd like to thank the uh, posse tonight. Father James, thank you. Thanks for having us, Tony. Father Mike, thank, thank you. you. Father Marty, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'd like to thank the posse for sharing your insights into the uh, Advent season, the Advent wreath, and the, the, the candle idea. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you helped me entertain that whole thing. <laughs> uh, your hope was inspiring. I'd also like to thank our listeners for making the effort to tune us in. Please join us again next week when the posse gathers to shed more light. See what I did there? On the Advent season. <laughs> in the meantime, mark the weekend Mass times and get to Mass. Keep it right here on KCDM for more content you can trust. KCDM, listen faithfully. Thanks for tuning in and good night. You can hear Pastor's Perspective every evening at 9 o'clock after the Rosary on KCDM. You can also pick up the show at 5 p.m. on Saturdays and 2 p.m. on Sundays. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. 